Hey, welcome to the Communities Podcast. We hope this message will encourage, challenge, and ultimately grow you in your walk with Jesus. Subscribe for weekly messages and share this message with your community. Let's dig in. Wonderful to be here and to see some familiar faces. Really good to to be here this morning. So, 20 years ago, and uh, if Jeremy can put up that first graphic for us, 20 years ago, another one. Thanks. <laughs> 20 years ago, we had Steve Jobs, we had Johnny Cash, and we had Bob Hope. Today, we have no jobs, no cash, and no hope. <laughs> and so this morning, I cannot offer you a job. I cannot give you cash, but I can bring you hope. And we, we're living in, in desperate times, and people out there need hope. All of us do. And if you read 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13, it speaks about three strong forces that should operate in the life of a believer. And Paul says there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. So um, it's, it's very interesting that, that Paul mentions these three things. So let me check whether you have faith, hope, and love. If you are here to hear a good sermon from me, that means you have faith. <laughs> if you're still listening halfway through my sermon, that means you have hope. <laughs> And if you stay here right to the end, that means you have love. So, <laughs> and those things are so important. They are essential and fundamental qualities of a Christian. I want to speak about, about uh, hope because we hear so many sermons on love, and rightfully so because Paul says that love is the greatest. There's also a lot of preaching and teaching on faith, and we do need that. But hope is often neglected in preaching. And so um, I, I want to speak about hope and try and give you an understanding of what real hope is. So I'm going to share a few thoughts on hope, and I hope that it will give you a better understanding of what hope is all about. And I've given uh, this title to my message, The Rope of Hope. And I'll explain that uh, as we go along. But let me start by reading a key verse about hope in the Bible Hebrews 6, uh, verses 18 and 19 from the New Century Version, and it says this, Hold on to the hope we have been given. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, sure and strong. And I'm going to come back to the scripture, but it's very interesting here that the Bible likens uh, hope to an anchor. And we all know that an anchor is useless unless it has a rope tied to it. Uh, and so I'm going to show you today how to make that connection with hope, that, that rope. And I'm going to use the metaphor of making a rope, but I want to put a spiritual spin on it, uh, pun intended, because <laughs> you, you make a rope by spinning some yarns uh, together. <laughs> some of you will get it later on. Very interesting, in, in, in Hebrew, the word tikva, 
can mean rope or it can mean hope. So uh, it's, it's very interesting that, that it's connected there. Now, if you make a rope, you first start with some fibers, spin them into yarns, and then several yarns form strands, and then you twist strands together to make a rope. And maybe I shouldn't use the word twist because uh, I don't want you to go and twist what I'm saying. Let me yard, rather use the word braiding than, than twisting. So what I want to do is I want to take some fibers, some yarns from scripture and I want to uh, just just pull them together and uh, see that that uh, the rope of hope will come from that very interesting uh, we call this braiding together uh, of a rope giving a tensile strength which means that it can handle tension when it's stretched and we live in times where we really are stretched. So here's the first strand in building the rope of hope. We need to define what hope is. Because there are so many wrong perceptions of hope. Let me give you a very simple definition of hope or, or what hope has to do with. It has to do with the unseen. And it has to do with the future. Now, you can obviously go to a dictionary and find out what hope is all about, but I've found that often what the world's idea of hope is, is different to what the Bible meaning is. And I want to, and, and this is kind of a, a favorite way of teaching for me, because before I, I tell people what the real thing is, I want to identify what the fake thing is, what the false thing is, because otherwise you sit with that false concept in your head and you build things on that. So let me deal with what hope is not. I'm, I want to contrast hope and false hope. And here's the first thing that I want to say. Hope is not wishful thinking. Because sometimes people have a whimsical wish, which is an assumption without any foundation. And I'm going to show you Biblical hope as a strong foundation. I'll, I'll never forget, I grew up in the church. Uh, I think I was four years old when we moved into the house next door to the church. So every time the doors opened, I was there. It's only when I was 12 years old that we moved to the house on the other side of the church. <laughs> Literally. So... Uh, uh, I'll, I'll never forget, we grew up in, and, and sometimes in churches, we develop our own kind of traditions that, that are not always in line with the Bible. I remember at the time, there was something called the Rhodesian sweep. Some of you that are a little bit more advanced in age might remember something like the lotto. But it was very, very popular. And um, in the church that I grew up in, there was a, a lady and the pastor used to have this tradition to ask for unspoken requests. Anybody with an unspoken request? And then people would put their hands up and they would pray for it. Uh, I, I sometimes think an unspoken request deserves an unspoken answer. But in any case, this lady would put her hand up every Sunday. And eventually the pastor thought, I'm going to ask her today if she doesn't want to tell the people around what her request is. She said, uh, he said, wouldn't you want to share with the congregation what your request is? And she said, uh, that I might win the Rhodesian sweep. 
And he was kind of taken aback and he said to her, well, you have a ticket at least. She says, no, but nothing's impossible with God. <laughs> so, so that's the kind of wishful thinking that I'm talking about. Your chances usually of winning the lotto is slim and none. And uh, I, I remember the, uh, the kind of uh, the payoff line that they used to have for the lotto was tata my chance. I actually means take a chance. I thought it meant tata my chance, tata my money, tata my everything. And, uh, you know, people don't expect to win. They have this wishful thinking. And that's not what, what hope is. The second false concept that I want to give you is that hope is not a daydream. Uh, true hope is not a, delusionally, uh, a delusionary daydream about the future. I wrote this down. I want to read this to you. It's not an airy-fairy flight of fancy to an air castle in some fantasy fool's paradise of la-la land where you sigh for a pie in the sky by and by. <laughs> And, uh, and, and that's what hope quite often is to the world. It's, it's a daydream. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a pipe dream. And you know the expression pipe dream refers to an unattainable or a fanciful aspiration. And just incidentally, I, I researched this. I found that the term pipe dream originated from the experience of, of smoking an opium pipe. That's when you really get high hopes. <laughs> and, and that is false hope. Here's another false idea of hope. Hope is not hype. Quite often, you, even in church, you find people use hype, which is an exaggerated attempt to make something seem better or more exciting than what it really is. True hope doesn't have to be hyped because it's based on the reality and the facts in God's word. And then lastly, hope is not passive waiting. Uh, let me say hope does involve waiting, but it's rather awaiting. It's awaiting something good. It's anticipating change. It's expecting a solution from God. It's not something that is passive or Inactive, it's trusting God and expecting God to change the situation. So hopeful waiting is not just suffering in silence and passively accepting everything with an attitude of, of grin and bear, and bear it. I like what, um, what David says in Psalm 25 because he speaks about the ingredients for change or for growth. And listen to what he says in verse 5. And now remember when I read this, David was in a crisis when he wrote this. But as a man of hope, he speaks to the Lord and he says, For you, you only, and all together do I wait expectantly all the day long. And then in verse 20, he says, Oh, keep me, Lord, deliver me. Let me not be ashamed or disappointed, for my trust and my refuge are in you. And then he says in verse 21, I wait for and expect you. That's what hope is about. So if I can give you a, a Christian uh, or, or a biblical definition uh, of hope, it's this. 
It's a favorable and confident expectation from the Lord and a sure trust in the Lord of good things based on the secure certainty of his promises. And I know it's quite a mouthful, but it might be uh, good to go and, and, and meditate on that. I was actually shocked. I actually looked up the word hope in, in some dictionaries, and there was one dictionary that actually stated that the meaning of confidence and trust attached to hope is something archaic. My goodness, it's all about trusting God. It's all about expecting from Him. Now, I, I quite often uh, like to look at the origin of words, and the Greek word used in the New Testament for hope is the word elpis. And I think for many, this saying is true. Elpis has left the building. <laughs> because hope has departed from their hearts. And uh, I, I, I like the verb that forms the root of this Greek word. It means to anticipate what is good, usually with joy and delight. It means to look forward with confidence to that which is beneficial, to assuredly expect, to welcome. That's what that word means. And I think this acronym for hope uh, is, is quite valid. H-O-P-E, have only positive expectation. That's what hope is all about. And, you know, in, in the pandemic, I, I gave people this acronym uh, for hope. Hold on, pandemic ends. And it did. <laughs> so it's important to hold on to that hope. Our hope is built on the sure promises of God's word. And that is what, what hope is about. Okay, let me move on. Uh, the, the second important thing for us, if we want to understand what hope is about, we need to discern when hope is needed. When do we need hope? Well, all the time. But especially in hopeless situations. That's when we need hope. I said to you earlier that hope has to do with what is unseen and what is still to come. It could deal with the immediate future. It could deal with the distant future. Or hope could even deal with eternity. And the Bible often speaks about that. Now, I'm going to focus on hope for this life. But I need to just emphasize this. Our ultimate hope is for eternity. That is so vital. And Paul, in the chapter on resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, says this in verse 19. If our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. So if you put your hope just on earthly things, you are very pitiful. That's what, what Paul describes you. So he often would speak about eternal hope. And when he writes to Titus, he says this in um, verse 2 and verse 13, he says, we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful blessed hope to have. And then Peter 
When he speaks about our inheritance waiting for us in heaven, he calls it a living hope. First Peter 3, uh, 1 verse 3 and 4, listen to what he says. In God's great mercy, he's caused us to be born again into a living hope because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now we hope for the blessings God has for his children. These blessings which cannot be destroyed or be spoiled or lose their beauty are kept in heaven for you. Wow. So we have eternal hope. That is what the Bible speaks about. But let me speak to you about current realities and about facing things here right now. Uh, as I said, many people are without hope. I did say that hope has to do with the future, but hope is also about now because hope can make your present day much better. I don't know how many of you have heard of Viktor Frankl. He was a Holocaust survivor in World War II. And although he was into humanistic psychology, we can learn from something that he said. And uh, being in a Nazi concentration camp, he observed this. He saw that the people who survived were not necessarily those who were the fittest. But the people who survived maintained a sense of hope. They had something to live for. They had uh, a purpose. And even in the gloomiest of situations, uh, if their life had, had meaning and purpose, they could have hope. And that's what made them survive. And how much more would this be true for us as believers? Because Christ gives purpose to our life. So we can have hope. And a key to, to coping is hoping. Not moping. <laughs> that is a, a key. And, um, you know, in the pandemic, the Lord gave me this beautiful scripture. And uh, I, I really appreciated the songs that we sang this morning because there were so many references to, to valleys and, and things, and God is the God of the mountains. And here's what God said to Israel in Hosea 2.15. I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. Wow. And that, that was a promise to Israel, and I think it's something that we can claim too. Let me continue. Let me give you a third chord for your rope. Now, I'm not concluding yet, so don't get your hopes up. So, <laughs> here's the third thing that will help us to understand hope better. Determine the source of hope. Where does hope come from? Now, in the last century, there was a well-known French philosopher and uh, he will remain nameless because to protect the, the guilty. And <laughs> I don't want to make him notorious. But he was a proponent of what is called absurdism. And uh, absurdism is a theory about the so-called absurd conflict between the inclination to look for meaning in life and the impossibility to find any value in a seemingly purposeless world. That is absurd. 
But here's what he said, and, and I obviously do not agree, but I want to quote him. He said, where there is no hope, it is incumbent on us to invent it. I have news for you. We don't invent hope. God already invented it. We just need to discover it. We're not supposed to, to invent hope. And uh, the message of the Bible is that God is the source of hope. It comes from him. Now, if you go and study the book of Romans, it's amazing how often the word hope appears in, in the book of Romans. In um, chapter 5, for instance, Paul speaks about the hope of the glory of God. And uh, let me just read here uh, from verse 2. He says, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So, um, he, he actually then calls God the God of hope and um, emphasizing that our hope comes from him, not from our invention or our fabrication. And listen to Romans 15 and verse 13. He says this, May God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Wow. So very clearly he says, hope comes from God and the Holy Spirit will help you to actually overflow with hope. Let me go back one verse because here he quotes a messianic prophecy. Listen to Romans 15, verse 12. Isaiah prophesied, an heir to David's throne, that's the Messiah, will emerge, and he will rise up as ruler over the non-Jewish nations, for all their hopes will be met in him. Another translation says, he'll give the nations hope. That's where hope comes from. Ah, simply, let me just quote these, these two verses very quickly. 1 Timothy 1, verse 1. The Lord Christ Jesus, our hope. Colossians 1, 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So very clearly, that's what the Bible says, that uh, our hope comes from, from Jesus. Without Jesus, you are hopeless. Somebody put it this way. Life with Christ is an endless hope. Life without Christ is a hopeless end. So that's where our hope comes from. Now, in, in Ephesians 2, and, and I'm not apologizing for, for using so many scriptures, because at least that's the part of my sermon that you can believe. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll show you why I'm using these scriptures. But Ephesians 2, 12 and 13, here's what, what Paul says to the believers in Ephesus, he describes their, their previous condition and he says at the end of verse 12 that you lived in this world without God and without hope. And then he describes their current situation in 
Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to want to put it this way, Jeremy. If you can give us that the, the next uh, slide. Um, no God, no hope. But this is also true. No God, K N O W, and no hope. And, and, and that's the bottom line. If we know God, so please listen to me. Don't place your hope in your abilities, in your partner, in your job, in your bank balance, in your, in your doctor, in medical science, in, in definitely not in political leaders. And don't put so much pressure on your past and, and put your hopes in, in him. Don't put your hope in anybody else. Your source of hope is God. Everybody and anything else can fail, but God does not. You know, I, I, I remember in, in lockdown, there were times I felt like I was under house arrest. <laughs> A prisoner in my own house. But at, at, at least I was in my own, own home. Israel, they were in a much worse situation. They were exiles in a foreign country and they were taken captive. But here's what God uh, speaks to them. Even in that situation, he gave them hope. Now, I, I want to read this scripture uh, where it shows that our hope comes from God. And it's a promise that we often claim for ourselves, and I don't think it's wrong to do so. But if we understand the backdrop to these words, it will become more meaningful to us. Because here, Israel, the king, some of the key leaders were taken captive. They were exiles. And here's what God speaks to them through Jeremiah in chapter 29 and verse 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Wow. And that is something that I believe that we can claim. Seventy years later, Israel's exile ended, and the rebuilding of Jerusalem began. And here, uh, Zechariah comes with a prophecy about how in years to come, in fact, it's a messianic prophecy, about how he would make his modest but triumphal entry into uh, Jerusalem on a donkey. And here's what he says in Zechariah 9, verses 11 and 12, because, again, he speaks about, about Jesus. He says, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I'll restore twice as much to you. Now, again, I, I believe with all my heart that we can claim the same promise because God hasn't changed. Listen to the message paraphrase of this. God says, because of my blood covenant with you, I'll release your prisoners from their hopeless cells. Come home, hope-filled prisoners. This very day, I'm declaring a double bonus. Everything you lost returned twice over. If you suffered loss in the last two years, claim this promise. God says, I'm going to restore. I'm going to give you hope. 
Uh, and, and we need to say with David, my hope is in you, because he's our, our source of hope. Now, I want to come back to why I am actually reading Scripture to you, because God is the source of hope, but how does he get the hope to us? Through his word. That's how simple it is. Faith comes by and hearing by the word of God. So does hope. Because listen to, to what um, the psalmist says, and maybe it's, it's David writing this again. Psalm 113, yeah, from uh, uh, verse 5. He says, this is why I wait upon you, expecting your breakthrough, for your word brings me hope. Wow. If you are lacking hope, maybe you are not giving God's word its rightful place in your life. In the New Testament, and we read Romans 15 uh, uh, earlier, I want to read another verse from this chapter, and, and uh, verse 4 this time. Listen to what he says. He's referring to Old Testament scripture, and here's what, what Paul says. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So, if you want to have hope, this is where it's found. In Scripture. And you know what? You cannot give other people hope unless you have it yourself. And both faith and hope, as I said, come from the Word of God. Let me get to the final strand of your rope of hope. Discover how hope works. How does hope actually operate in our lives? As I said, it comes from the Word of God, and therefore you need to make sure you spend time with God's Word. I'm actually surprised that people think that they can get by with one meal a week spiritually. On Sunday. <laughs> That's why Jesus said, you, you cannot live by bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's your daily bread. So don't neglect church, small groups, personal devotions, wherever you can find an opportunity to hear God's word. You know what? Cora and I, my wife and I, made uh, an agreement when lockdown started. We switched our television off and never watched one bit of TV. I tell you why, because you get bad news. We also decided to watch what we are um, reading on social media. Because there's so much fake news. And sometimes I think we need to fast more than food. Fast television. <laughs> fast social media. And I know we, we, we sometimes have the FOMO syndrome. Fear of missing out. That's why the first thing in the morning we look at is our phone. <laughs> and you know what? Our family actually said to us, why are you, did you stop watching the news? I said, because it'll reach us in any case. Someone will tell us. 
And they said, are you not with an, like an ostrich with your head in the sand? I said, no, I'm an eagle with my future in his hand. And what we need to do is allow God's word to change and shape our thoughts. Now, I said that I want to come back to that scripture in the book of Hebrews. Um, and I wish I had more time to take you on a journey through the book of Hebrews, because what is so interesting here is that the author uses several maritime metaphors, nautical narratives, and uh, I, I want to focus just on, on a few of those metaphors, and I hope <laughs> that this will help those who are all at sea and do not fathom the meaning of these metaphors or did not fathom them before. <laughs> but um, in Hebrews 10 and verse 38, the author describes someone who shrinks back or draws back in fear from faith. And what is interesting, that phrase, shrink back, is the same Greek word that seafarers would apply when furling or lowering a sail. You see, so if you give up on faith, you cannot get anywhere because there's no sail. And you cannot allow the wind of the Spirit to move you. So don't shrink back. Don't lower your sail. In Hebrews 4.16, uh, he speaks of the help that we can re receive from the throne of grace. And very interesting, that Greek word help uh, is found only one other place in the New Testament. You can go and look it up in Acts 27 and verse 17. Now, what happened there, I'll quickly give you the background, uh, that uh, Luke uh, relates this incident and he mentions the fact that that all hope was gone. And Paul was caught in a storm in a ship that was at the risk of actually breaking apart. And then it says, and it uses this word help or supports, because it's a seafaring term that actually describes the support that a ship can receive when it's in danger of sinking. And the procedure, interesting enough, uh, involves ropes that they send, or in, in, in today they still do it today. Today they use chains or, or, or cables, and they send it under uh, the the hull of of the ship to or the hull of the ship to to reinforce it and and to hold it together and prevent it from falling apart. And if you want to go and research this, the English term is frapping. Think of wrapping. And go and, and, and see, because it's such a beautiful picture. And then when it in Hebrews speaks of the help that God gives us, here's the picture I want you to see. When your life is about to fall apart, God will send his ropes. And he will hold you together. And that is the help that you can receive from him. How beautiful is that? And that's why in, in, in Hebrews 13 and verse 6, he uses a related word, and he says, the Lord is our helper. And I love that word because the word helper there literally uh, means the following. It, it, it has two words in it. it. It has the word cry, and it has the word run in it. And this is what the word helper means. When I am in need and I cry out, he runs 
to help me. Hallelujah. In Hebrews 2 verse 1, and I wish I had, had more time, but, uh, the author warns us of the danger of drifting away like a ship on the ocean. And uh, uh, we know that an anchor prevents us from drifting away. And what is our anchor? When we tied to the Word of God. That's the beautiful thing. But I want to come back to this scripture that I read in the beginning, Hebrews 6, 18 and 19. Hold on to the hope. We've been given, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. You know, it was so interesting for me when I heard some of the political leaders, especially uh, during the crisis that we experienced, and, and they actually said this, we are sailing through uncharted waters. True. Nobody experienced this ever before. Nobody actually knew how to handle the situation. They made so many mistakes. But there's something else that we can add as believers. We may be sailing through uncharted waters, but the good news is this. We have an anchor. We have an anchor for the soul, and we can hold on to that. We've been privileged for probably about 22 years every year to go to Rome and to, to minister there in conferences and, and teach in Bible schools there. And we never had much time to do any sightseeing, but the one year our host said to us, I'm going to take you outside of the city, because they had these, these ancient catacombs where believers had to hide when they persecuted Christians, and they had to hide underground. And you can, you can still go into those catacombs where, obviously, where, where dead bodies were. And what is so interesting, and I, I do have a, a, a graphic of it, if you can, yeah, thank you, Jeremy. On the walls, actually, they have different uh, pictures, and often you will see the picture of an anchor. And it blessed me so much that they actually had the symbol of hope while they were hiding in a place filled with dead bodies. And that's what we have. We have the hope as an anchor for the soul. And I, I, I love the fact that the emphasis is on the soul because what is your soul? The soul is the control room of your mind where your thoughts, your emotions, your will, and your intellect are, are basically seated. And that is what, what uh, God's Word says to us. When you have wild running thoughts, when you have... Um, Roller coaster emotions, when things are unstable, there is an anchor for the soul. If you allow your thoughts to be renewed according to the word of God, God will keep you safe. Years ago, we used to sing this song. It says this, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. So we have an anchor. And you know what? Whatever situation you are facing, hold on to the rope of hope. One last scripture, Hebrews 10, 23. He says, 
Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And can I say this? When you feel tired of holding on to the rope of hope, realize this. He will hold on to you. And he'll never let you go. Amen. So I want to encourage you today. Get serious with the word of God. Because God's word will fill you with faith, will fill you with hope fill you with everything else that you need to face any situation on earth. Amen. Amen.